Blog Talk Radio. Wealthy Sisters, the show that features six- and seven-figure earning women of color. Tune in Mondays at 12 New Eastern Standard Time as Deborah Hardnett, CEO of Deborah Hardnett International and founder of The Professional Black Woman, showcase the triumphant journeys of these powerful sisters. You will be inspired, encouraged, and informed every Monday at 12 noon Eastern Standard Time. Our call-in number is 347-838-9278. Today's broadcast is brought to you by www.wealthysisters.com, where the show can be heard 24 hours a day. And now your host, Deborah Hardnett. Well, hello and welcome to Wealthy Sisters, sponsored by the professional black woman. And you can visit us at www.thepbw.com. Wealthy Sisters is where we celebrate the lives of six- and seven-finger-earning women of color, and our purpose is twofold. First, we'd love to inspire and encourage you, the listener, and second, to edify, promote, acknowledge, and just say thank you to the sisters for doing big things. I'm Deborah Hartnett, your host, broadcasting live on the Worldwide Blog Talk Network, and I want to say happy Monday to you and a happy Martin Luther King Jr. Day. Today is January 17, 2011, and I hope you are as excited about your future as I am because, trust me, it is very bright. We are here every week at the same time, and that's Monday at 12 noon Eastern, so spread the word. I tell you, we are so excited to, for the, uh, our show today. Very, very awesome. All right. This show is so powerful that we had to have a little technical difficulties there. That's when we know it's going to be fabulous. So we are back. Thank you for joining us. And as we're saying, today's show is always going to be so powerful. You know, I just got a few questions for you. Are you building a career in corporate America, or do you seek to excel in the leadership roles? And Are you finding yourself getting frustrated or tired of being passed over for those promotions and feel like you need just a little bit of extra edge? Well, our guest today is a master at helping people like yourselves. I'm talking about the phenomenal Abby Locke. She is a featured uh, career workshop speaker at the professional, excuse me, at the Winter Summit as well. And so what I need for you to do right now is always we want you to go and tell everybody about this show today because what she's going to be sharing with you is some dynamic information that can help each and every one of you guys on your careers. And also, not just for if you are in a, the corporate setting, but the the tips that she can share with us today are going to be transformed. It could help you in your business as well. So what we need for everybody to do, as always, you know we only want to bring you the best. So we need you to contact everybody now, send a text message, tweet them, email them, call them, tell them, look, you want to dial 347-838-9278 right now. You can also listen live on the web at www.wealthysisters.com. Join us in the chat room because I'm telling you what 
what's going to be discussed today is going to be some information that can literally change your life. Now, you know you can always follow us. Mark us as your favorite right there when you go to WealthySisters.com. You can find us on Twitter, or Facebook, under Deborah Hartnett as well. We are all over the place. We want to stay connected with you. Now, I just have the privilege of just sharing some powerful information about our guest today. Abby Locke is the founder of Premier Writing Solutions and Beyond Glass Ceilings, has been featured and quoted in Essence, Black Enterprise, Washington Post, Washington Post Express, Wall Street Journal, okay? Uh, She's been on several radio programs, abcnews.com, and CEO Update. She is a career marketing architect, a master resume writer, and brand leadership coach who partners with senior executives and professional MBA women to help them discover their brand distinction, overcome job search obstacles, and achieve career mastery in highly competitive, crowded marketplaces. Do you think you want to tune in today? I trust you've got your papers and pens ready because she has served as a job search coach and resume advisor for MBA students at Georgetown, George Washington University. She even helped with the military. In addition to that, she um, was retained by Business and Professional Women Foundation to spearhead a nationwide recruiting search for talented leaders for management positions with Walmart. When I tell you she has a, I mean, a long list of credentials, this woman is phenomenal. She's she's been published in several books. You want to tune into this show today. So, like we said, we our special guest today is Miss Abby Locke, and we're also excited to have her as one of the featured speakers. She's conducting the workshop for the career workshop at the Winter Summit Conference and Expo. So I am not going to hold her much long from you. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, we will hear from the dynamic Miss Abby Locke. One moment. This segment is sponsored by WillDrake.com. That's www.WillDraike.com. The hot new suspense novel, Bad and Worse, A Tale of Men, published by Permal Coast Publishing. Sometimes the only way to stop a killer is to love him. Business leaders, are you ready to soar? Success is not defined by your wings, but by your courage to leap from the cliff's edge and fly. With Fortune 500 expertise, the Beatty Group partners with creative and motivated leaders, weaving structure and innovation for maximum business success. Visit us at thebatygroup.com. That's T H E B A T I E group.com. Or call the Beatty Group at 877 264 7699. Yes, hello. We are live on Wealthy Sisters today. And this is a very, very special day. We are honoring Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., who we are so grateful for. Those things. 
things that he fought for us to have, uh, for us to have the ability to engage in society and to have, as we mentioned earlier, to have the same rights, um, to be employed, uh, to have the business rights that we have today, you know, not to be discriminated against. So we are carrying that out by conducting the business that he gave us the opportunity to conduct as well. And we just encourage you to continue to share the history and to share with your children and and your nieces and nephews that what we see today is a result of the sacrifice, the result of someone who was not afraid and who lived their life as an example for all of us today. So we are just so ecstatic and just filled with gratitude for this opportunity, just even to be on the Internet, uh, to have this uh, ability to, to operate in this country with free enterprise and to have, you know, someone that sacrificed their life literally for us so that we could have the rights to travel. You know, um, we, we spend a lot, a lot of times traveling on the road, and, and uh, we were on the road yesterday and with, with my daughter, and I was just sharing, and she was asking questions about Martin Luther King. And, you know, just to be able to share with her that, hey, we can stop at this hotel now and go to the bathroom here, where before when when I, when my mother or when, when I was a baby, we, we wouldn't be able to do that. We'd have to go somewhere else or drive way off the road and, and not be able to stay on our path and keep our time, you know, um, with our travel time. We, would, we wouldn't be able to just pull up in this restaurant and just eat where we want to eat and decide to walk inside the front door. We'd have to go through the back door. These this is the, the reason that we celebrate uh, Dr. Martin Luther King and, and so many others. Um, I, I was blessed to grow up in Atlanta, and I say that was a blessing. Uh, the, the, the era that I grew up in that city was just powerful because it was it was coming off of the the, the civil rights movement and a, and we it was right in the middle of a lot of things changing and and you know a lot of dignity was there and and being uh, privileged to grow up in the church of West Hunter Street Baptist Church with my pastor Reverend Ralph David Abernathy who was is one of the founders really of the civil rights who who was right there you know. Dr. King passed away in his arms, and if you see those pictures of, of the gentleman that's uh, holding him, that's him right there on the uh, the balcony there at the Lorraine Motel. And uh, incidentally, I'm, I'm, I would suggest if you haven't gone to Memphis to see that museum there, uh, you definitely want to get to to see that museum where they the actual Lorraine, Lorraine Motel they've changed into a museum and they have the actual spot there. Uh, it's incredible. It's powerful. It's moving. But um, you know, just to have grown up in that environment and to to know and to see Jesse Jackson and Andrew Young and Dr. Um, Lowry, all of those powerful individuals to to come to the church there. It, you know, it's 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 almost like this era. Those those giants. Our children today don't always know about it. Don't always hear about it, and we can honestly take for granted. You know the the time that that has gone by. Even though it was, if we look at it relatively to to time, it's it was just a short while ago. 
But uh, we're so full of gratitude today. And as we said, our very special guest, I know Miss Abby Locke can share uh, how powerful it is to be, you know, in the role that she is in uh, as well in helping so many individuals in corporate America and with their professional careers as well. So I'm not going to hold her any longer from you. We're, we're going to bring to the line our very special guest, Miss Abby Locke. How are you today, Abby? I am good, Deborah. How are you? Thank you so much oh, for, wow. um, for having I'm me. Oh, wow. I'm so wonderful. Oh, thank you. Thank you for coming on our line today, and thank you for being a part of the Winter Summit as well. I tell you, your 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 resume, speaking of resumes, is just, it is just, it keeps a person speechless. How have you had time to do all that you've done? Because I know you're not as old as the wisdom that comes from your your resume here. Um, I would really say, well, thank you so much, and thank you for such a, a, a great introduction. I was truly blushing on the other side uh, of the line. Um, you know, it's 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 amazing. Often the way others view us. Um, is different from the way we view ourselves. And sometimes it takes someone on the outside to even point out a few things and remind us of the things that we've achieved that we, you know, are able to kind of accept it better and go, oh, wait a minute, I have done a lot of that stuff. And it's ironic because a lot of the clients that I work with, I think that's what I really enjoy is really sometimes just sitting down with people and really kind of going through career memory lane and talking through things they have done and it's amazing that often when you are in action mode and just doing what you love, doing what you enjoy, you don't always stop and celebrate your successes along the way. And mm-hmm. it's always so important to stop and take inventory. And a lot of what I do is help people to stop and take inventory and really celebrate what they have done. So, so many times people stop and say, oh, my goodness, you know, just in talking to you, you know, I, I feel so much better about what I've done or I've you know, realize that I've done so much. And I think for people who, you know, when they stop and take inventory and realize that they've done a lot, in all honesty, when passion fuels what you do, you are able to do so much. It's like you're always looking ahead. You're always planning for the next thing. You're always looking to, you know, expand your knowledge, increase your learning, and build your network. And that is honestly how I've been able to build, um, you know, to a certain extent really two careers because I have, you know, an extensive uh, background with career management and career development. And then what I also bring to the table is, you know, 15-plus years of working in the private sector, working in government, working in nonprofit. And, again, once passion drives a lot of what you do, you're never satisfied really with the status quo. You're always looking to um, to improve yourself. You, you know, you, you have said a mouthful, especially when you mention about you're never satisfied and you're a person that's passionate and you're driven. It is important <laughs> to have someone to remind you of those things that you have done because mm-hmm. you can't get lost in the midst. And, you know, I often tell people when um, a lot of times we might have those moments of discouragement and we feel like, what is going on? I'm not I'm not doing this or things may not be going right. That's one of the first things I always 
always say is to stop and count um, the blessings, literally. What are you grateful for? What have you done? What has gone right? So that is so important as well. Tell us a little bit about your background, you know. what? Where did you grow up? We always like to get a little nosy here on Wealthy Sisters so that our audience can really find other ways that they can relate with you as well because a lot of times, Abby, when we talk about what success is or what people can do and share these stories, we don't want to give our audience any out to say, well, this is her life. She could do that. She could do this. You know, we always like to to have the real uh, information. So tell us where you grew up and and uh, how sure, you actually sure. got involved in this career. Um, I actually was born and raised in um, Guyana, South America, and mm-hmm. I came to the United States the day before I turned 16. Um, I've been in the United States. My family has been here since the um, the early uh, 80s. I uh-huh. am one of seven children in the family. I'm actually number three, and there's four others after me. Um, wow. So I grew up in, you know, a, a, a two-parent, seven-kids uh, family household. <laughs> we also had my grandmother that lived with us that I was um, extremely close to that uh, really shaped and, and patterned um, a lot of uh, of who I am today. Um, uh-huh. I grew up in an environment where both both of my parents uh, worked and uh, both of my parents really um, emphasized the, the importance of education. So, uh-huh. um, you know, as children, we're always eternally grateful to them for their sacrifices that they have made because they truly sacrificed everything because they believe that much in the power of education to change lives. So, in a family of seven children, I mean, every one of us, um, you know, went to college. You know, most of us have done, gone on and even done an advanced degree. Um, and they never really put barriers or boundaries on what it is that we um, could do or achieve. It was never, you know, well, you know, are you thinking about college? It was more like, okay, well, which college do you want to go to? Um, uh-huh. And I, I really say that we're eternally grateful for them because they never really said, well, I don't think that you should go to that school because it's, you know, it's too expensive or it's too, you know, it's, you know, you're not going to be able to afford it. It was always like, you know, well, if you work really hard and if that's what you want to do, then we'll find a way to make it happen. And I mean, they truly, you know, made those sacrifices. Um, you know, like I said, they both worked very hard. Um, they're both retired now, and they really did everything to make sure that we, um, you know, had a better life uh, 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 for ourselves. Um, I, at an early age, my dad is um, a retired um, accountant by trade. My mom is a a retired nurse. And I remember at a very young age, I was always fascinated with my dad when, you know, in those days you would have the the journals, the actual journals. You'd pull out this long ledger and he would write (laughs) things in, in in the numbers. And I was always fascinated by what all of that stuff meant. I always had a very, um, analytical mind. So I always, had a strong interest in accounting, and then I went to college and I studied business management. I worked for a few years in banking, and then um, I actually went back and did an MBA, did a concentration in finance. And what is ironic is that I always, in my mind, pictured a, a, a certain career for myself, and it was always, you know, maybe I would be an analyst, maybe I might work on Wall Street, maybe I'll have a more advanced uh, uh, um, role in banking. 
And it always seemed like every time I got close to those opportunities or I got into those opportunities, it was only a matter of time, and then I got really bored. Um, so as a result, I mean, I've worked in um, in uh, city government. I've worked in nonprofit. I've worked in actual traditional banking. I've worked in um, investment services. And, again, it would get my juices going for a period of time, but I would always find it. I would always get bored, and then after a year or two, I'm looking for the um, for the next opportunity. And ironically, how I made that transition into career um, uh, management and career development, really, I like to say that that found me rather than the other way around. Um, I think it's important for people to understand that there are times that we're really good at doing something, but we always don't give it enough attention or we don't focus on it because we think, eh, that's a good skill to have, but, you know, that's not what I want to do. At a very young age, people always complimented me for my writing skills, and it was like, well, yeah, you know, it's important that I know how to write. It's, you know, it's good for survival, but that's not really what I want to do. And mm-hmm. right after I had finished my uh, MBA, I had um, moved back to New York with my family. My parents were still there, and you know, was aggressively doing a lot of job hunting and a lot of interviewing um, in New York. And, again, always would get very close but not quite there. And I got to a point where I got kind of frustrated and I said, I want to do something just very different. Let me shift gears and just try something different for a few months. And I had an opportunity actually to teach at a two-year junior college down in uh, Manhattan. And that's really where everything, I, I always point back to that time period where everything kind of came into fruition. Um, ironically, again, not ironically, but then not ironically, I was given a lot of <laughs> writing classes, written communication, business English, and I'm just as frustrated with them, like, okay, that's very cute, but why are you giving me these classes? Uh-huh. Um, and within, like, three months, they were like, okay, we really like you. Would you like to come on full-time? You would still do some teaching, but we'll give you an opportunity to have more of an administrator role you would work with. Uh, the business management students and, you know, really like be a a, a department head. You know, it sounded good at the time. I was willing to give it a a try. And that's where once I started getting very involved with the students, and I mean, granted, these were all adult students, um, but at the end of the the cycle, the academic cycle, everybody needs a resume, market themselves, job search. And we had a designated career person, but, you know, for students who had worked with me and had dealt with me and had been, you know, my students, it was just natural for them to come to me. So I was always cautious that, okay, I don't want to step on anyone's toes. We have a designated career person. I don't want her to feel like I'm not sending my students to her. So it was kind of like this balance. Okay, I'll sit with you for a bit and work with you, but then I want you to still go and meet this career person. And like anything else, word of mouth always takes uh, 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 full steam more than anything else. You work with one person, you work with two persons, then next thing you know, the word is around the school that you need help with your resumes, you need help to do anything, Abby Locke. Go see Miss Abby Locke. Go to Miss Locke. <laughs> <laughs> so next thing I know, I'm getting a flood of people and then family and friends, and I started to think, I said, well, you know, there might be something to this. You know, at the time uh-huh. I was just focused on resume writing. I said, you know, I said, well, what if I started doing this part-time? And, again, the analytical, you know, by the book side of my personality came out and I says, okay, well, if I'm going to set something up, I'm going to make sure that I do everything right. Yes, I have a strong business background and I understand the concepts, but let me go to a bookstore. Let me make sure, you know, how do I set myself up, you know, to, to run a part-time business. And I went into the, the book 
store and I was along the entrepreneur or the business section and there was a book that was face down on the shelf by itself. And I, just out of curiosity, I flipped the book over and the book was How to Start Your Own Home-Based Resume Writing Service. Mm. And that was like lights going on. It was a epiphany. It was the last. <laughs> you heard the choir there. and everything. <laughs> I heard the choir, the angels, the birds, and I was like, wow, what is the coincidence of that? And that was back in 1996, the end of 96, beginning of 97. And that's really where I continued to just fuel into it. That's when I was introduced into a world where, wow, there's people that independently, this is what, this is pretty much all they do. Oh, wow, there's certifications that you can get. Right. Oh, now tell us about your certification. You know, certified in that, oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. Uh, yeah, because you have you have like a ton of certifications for the resume writing and and again that started. I started off with me getting a certification in in resume writing, and then it expanded into other things as my um, interests and my services grew into other areas. Before it was just all about resume writing, and I was good at that. People were happy, and then. It was like, okay, I'm giving people a great resume, but then I'm realizing that they're not using it effectively. They're not being as proactive. Then I need to teach them about job search. Well, there's a program of job search strategists. So a lot of the skills and the certifications I've developed has always been around, well, what can I use this for? How can I better serve my clients? If I get this certification, what is it going to teach me, and how is it going to help me to better serve my clients? So that's how I got, for example, um, a certification in personal branding. You know, branding has become something uh, very important. Career management coaching for those clients that jumping right into developing a resume is not going to do them value. It might mean that I might need to talk them through a few things, help them, you know, narrow in a little better on what it is that they want to do, help them to understand their strengths better, kind of go through that process. So everything that I have done, it's not been for the sake of doing it. It's always been, okay, I'm working with my clients, and I pay attention to trends, and I pay attention to what's going on. Are more people asking me about online identity or about a LinkedIn profile or social media? Well, is there a certification? Is there a training out there that would help me to be able to better serve them? And as a result, honestly, you look up and you go, oh, wow, I have like eight, nine (laughs) certifications. And so tell us honestly, now what I have such a thirst for learning that it's uh-huh. just gonna keep going up. Okay, so now with with this, you know, today the climate. Let's get right to it because I know we have a lot of listeners that are tuned in, who we talked about that have the MBAs and and who have paid the price, have gone out there. Like, I mean, you went to Boston University and got your MBA. You got your undergraduate. We know at Clark University in, in Worcester. I think we kind of figured we went Worcester at the same time, <laughs> around that time frame. Really? There, but, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, when you're based on your your numbers there, because I was at Holy Cross um, uh, there as well, but yes, um, we did. Yes, we yeah. did. Yes, yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> but but wanted to just kind of find out, you know, what do you think a person needs to do today that's looking? Uh, should they? What can they do to set themselves apart from the rest? Because we know it's competitive. Uh, some people are still maybe in a career and they feel like they've been passed up for promotions. What are some of the most common mistakes? I guess let's ask this one first. Most common mistakes that you see people or women, uh, especially women, that make in getting that next promotion that they've been shooting for? 
Well, a common mistake that I, uh, I see uh, professionals making, especially women, is mm-hmm. um, what I what the syndrome, what I like to call the lady-in-waiting syndrome. I'm just going to mm-hmm. work very hard. I'm going to do all the right things, and as long as I work hard and I excel, I'm going to be noticed, and then I'm going to be able to have access to um, better projects, and I'm going to get promotions that way rather than being more proactive and embracing the art of self-promoting um, or self-marketing so that you're constantly in the limelight of the, the decision maker, the person who's going to see you as a leader to promote you into these opportunities. So a big mistake I see people is waiting to be noticed rather than proactively positioning themselves to be noticed and continually marketing themselves even when they're in a job. You don't get into a job and just relax. You get into the job and you still continue to market yourself and speak up for more responsibilities. That's that's something that um, we talk about often on the show, especially for women. I think that it has a lot to do with our gender training. That we are, you know, I love that title that you have for the workshop, "Lady in Waiting to Lady in Charge." You know, we are usually or have been taught that you know you don't speak up or it's not ladylike. You know, a lot of that ladylike uh, things are changing, but uh, which some is not not too bad to hold on to. <laughs> behaviors, but, you know, that, just that true. mindset, mm-hmm. that mindset of that, we should not speak up and say what we want, it is not, um, you know, even, it's not, and even the whole idea of anyone self-promoting uh, yourself, that, that is an idea that we have to get adjusted to. Can you give us an example of what someone would need to do in promoting, let's say, in their career, like you said, uh, speaking up, what what are some of the things that they should do? Are they tracking performance or or what what do you suggest um a simple a simple example would be um you're you're getting prepared for your annual review mm-hmm. and instead of walking into the annual review you know, with a mindset of okay well you know, is it going to be a battle? Will are they going to acknowledge I've recognized what I've done? Why not walk into the performance review and be prepared? Why not walk into the review where you have already sat down and you've analyzed what you have done in the past year or in the past six months um, to be able to say, you know, you know, here are some of the projects I've worked on. Here are some of the solutions that I've brought to the company. Here are some of the contributions that I made. And if you can quantify those contributions, then that's wonderful. So then it takes the whole setting then from being adversarial, from you walking out of a, a review meeting saying, you know, it's not fear. I worked hard. I, I went above and beyond this whole year, and they didn't even acknowledge it. I still haven't gotten a promotion. Why not go in there and really advocate for it and be able to advocate for it in a way that might be more comfortable um, for you, uh, you know, as a woman to be able to say in black and white, here are some of the things that I've done. Here are some of the objectives our department or our division has for the year. Here are some of the, the new projects or the new responsibilities that you have given to me. Here were some of the challenges that I've uh, overcome uh, with these projects. And bottom line, here are some of the solutions that I was able to bring. And bringing these solutions, you know, what new skill set did I develop? What what am I able to now demonstrate to you? Did I become a better leader? Like really engage 
in that process. So then, you know, you might not say, okay, well, I'm, I'm, I'm not bragging. You're simply mm-hmm. going over what you have done, but you're supporting your strength. You're supporting what you're advocating for with a strong, a strong story behind it. And I think that always comes across better. Okay, and so so they literally walk in there, and you you talk about being prepared, create a PowerPoint presentation with bullet points, and is that a, a or something that they can print out or use on their laptop or what or use on a computer? Is that something that you suggest exactly, that they walk in there exactly. with? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Okay. I like to mm-hmm. use something. It's called um, to present it like in a case study, in, in many case studies, and I actually worked with someone recently in. Uh, she had gotten very involved with it, and it actually she had a creative edge to her. So she added color and graphs, and I mean you could make it as creative as plain. But she was able to categorize each story mm-hmm. as mini case. And I'll give you an example: like as a regional sales manager, maybe one of your goals was to increase market share to five cents. So you would create a story. The challenge was the position change challenge or the leadership challenge was increase company's market share with uh, widget sales by 25%. You know, okay, well, what are some of the things that you did in process? Well, I built new relationships. I established new partnerships. I, you know, created new sales uh, materials. I mean, whatever it is that you did, and then what was the bottom line result? Well, the bottom line results would actually, you know, I need to go. I created you know, increase the share thirty-five percent. And when you mm-hmm. when you look at the action results format, people are able to see number one what it was that you were up against. Okay, I'm increasing market share by twenty-five percent in the market that's intensely competitive, or in a market where we just lost, you know, a huge part of our customer base. Now, the person who's reading it, granted, that person might be your manager is then reminded of what you're up against, what constraints are you operating against when um, when you were dealing with that particular uh, uh, business challenge. And <laughs> the actions, what actions did you take? By outlining the actions that you have taken, it allows them to see how you're able to think, how you act in a crisis situation, how you're able to lead, how you're able to be innovative, and then it leads to the bottom line results. Well, gee, not only did you meet the goal, you exceeded the goal. But then in creating it in that challenge action result, you've told a whole lot more about yourself. You've shown how you were able to overcome certain challenges that are within your role. So they know now, wow, if a crisis comes up, if situations are not, you know, pop up, if things don't always run smoothly, wow, she really has the capability to do it. And then when you outline the steps that you took, again, it helps them now to walk in your shoes and to really see how you get from point A to point B. Because at the end of the day, you're positioning yourself, you're presenting yourself, you're selling yourself, marketing yourself, and you're creating a picture in their mind of a leader. So show them what a leader is able to do. So you, you're taking ownership and not, you know, I like what you're saying, not not the lady in waiting, but taking charge, not expecting them to automatically exactly. see what you've done or assume. Just we have to make sure that we put it in that, that format there. And I love the fact that you brought about the quantitative, putting the numbers in there. What about the, the dollar amounts? Would you suggest that, putting dollar amounts if you that, haven't that find the dollar well. amount? That works as well. 
Because I yes, know Cassie's that king, that always well. speaks. <laughs> that's that's the saying. That's that saying, right? You told me that you Money talks and everything else walks. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And it, it, it tells a story, yes. Okay, so so when we come back, I want I want to just well let me let me just ask you this: How would they do this throughout? Is this something that they should just do once once a year uh, during that review, or is there a way that that they can actually share this type of information, or should be promoting themselves? So think on that question. We are going to take a short break. Come right back with our special guest today, Miss Abby Locke, who is featured at the Winter Summit. Definitely, if you haven't got your ticket you need to go ahead and get your ticket now we'll be right back after this short break you are listening to wealthy sisters did you know the irs will currently reimburse you 55 cents for every business mile you drive stop struggling with mileage logs and start turning your vehicle mileage into cash TrackLog is the first comprehensive automatic mileage recording solution. Turn this small device on, easily track your mileage, and keep more of your money in your pocket. Purchase your TrackLog today at TRAKLOGG.com. That's TRAKLOGG.com. Do you find yourself overwhelmed in paperwork? Are you struggling with administrative tasks preventing you from doing what you really love? Then consider hiring a virtual assistant. Call M. Alexander and Associates Incorporated toll-free at 1-877-894-0564 or join them on the web at www.iwillassistyou.net. Are you seeking stronger partnerships to leverage your strengths? Need to develop more winning strategies of success? Ready to increase your knowledge in the areas of investing, marketing, health and wellness, and the Green Initiative? Then join us for the second annual Winter Summit Conference and Expo, March 18th, 19th, 2011. Meet hundreds of professional women from all over the world. We provide savvy advice, practical application for winning women. Reserve your space today at www.thewintersummit.com or call 1-800-917-9435, extension 805. Yes, we are live back here on Wealthy Sisters, and we are excited about the baddest concert that we're going to have, the best conference. That is the Winter Summit Conference and Expo, the second annual held this March 17th to the 19th at the Baltimore Inner Harbor Hotel. I'm telling you, this is going to be the best event. I'm featured yesterday on Wealthy Sisters is conducting a career workshop. Our professionals as well, and we have Glenda Bridgeforth, who is going to be talking about how you can build your business credit, keeping your personal credit straight. We've got Dee Marshall, who is just phenomenal as well, as seen on um, the Makeover Manor. She's one of the lifestyle, excuse me, the career coaches there as well, life coaches, certified life coach, shall we say, and she's going to be talking about making the right connections. We have also just added for the R&B concert, none other than Howard Hewitt. That's right, he's coming. We're excited about that. You've got to get your tickets. The, the concert is just about sold out and our millionaire luncheon where we actually have 
four documented millionaire sisters who are going to be conducting a roundtable discussion. You want to be there. Tell me where you can see this, the pool sisters like this together, to be able to relate and get the type of information. They are ready and ready, eager to share, eager to share. So you want to be there, and the millionaire, like I said, that luncheon is limited. Uh, we only have a few seats left for that. You can get your ticket today, right now, at the Winner's Summit, the Winner's Summit, not like the fall, but winner, like a champion, thewinnersummit.com. And uh, Miss Abby, I know you have traveled a lot. You venture out and you go to a lot of conferences. And why do you think it's important for people to attend this conference? And what are the results that they should expect to get from your workshop? Oh, my goodness. I am a huge proponent of going to conferences, that is something that should automatically, you should put it in your budget or, mm -hmm. you know, you know if you have ongoing career development or professional development through your company, you definitely want to be able to at least advocate to have them pay for a conference if you can link it to your, um, uh, link it to your job. Mm -hmm. um, this particular conference is phenomenal uh, for a couple of reasons. The, the, the great thing is that when you step outside of your own world, you know, whether you're in a job and things are going great or you're in a job and things are not going great, it's great to step outside of that box because you have an opportunity to interact with people, to build mm -hmm. your network, and first and foremost to realize that, gee, you know, it's not only you. You're not the only person that's going through what you're going through. There's people who have gone through it, who have overcome it, and it's so important to be able to build that uh, network and to have that information. If you are actively looking for an opportunity, well, what great uh, great way then to be able to meet the, the son who maybe works for the company you want to work for, or may used to work there, or they have a career that you're interested in pursuing, it's always different when you're able to get it um, directly, you know, straight out of the person's mouth. Also, mm -hmm. in a conference setting, while you're serious and you're very focused, I have always found that people are willing to share information. People are really energetic. People are very positive. And, I mean, the agenda that is lined up for, uh, for March is so, I mean, it's so phenomenal. It means whatever it is that you are interested in it's like every aspect of your life is covered so you walk you can really walk away just so empowered and i think it's so important to be able to do that and to really rejuvenate yourself even if you're at the top of your career and everything is going right there's always something new that you can learn there's always someone new that you can meet there's always some new information that you can benefit from so it's really essential if you've not been making conferences a part of your 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 annual professional development Start with the Winter Summit. It's a great, yeah, I, a great place I love to start. It. I love it. You know, and it's so important that we embrace it as our culture. Uh, this is what our counterparts have been doing. This is how we, you know, we, we get in our corner and we say, well, nobody tells us anything. They don't share or this is, I didn't know, I didn't have this. But understanding that we have to really step out there and, like you said, make this a part of your budget. Make this not an option. You know, don't, I, I'm saying sacrifice the do, sacrifice the weave this month, or, uh, you know, put, Put that investment into yourself, you know, invest in yourself because it makes a difference. Do, do you see a lot of times, do you see that challenge of getting our um, community to understand how important it is to attend the conferences? Um, it's 
it's it's really a toss up because I do find people will go to the conferences, but they go to the conferences not with a real agenda. They either go mm-hmm. they go in extreme situations. They go because well, I've gone every year where my company's paying. Well, it's an opportunity for me, mm-hmm. my alums. Mm-hmm. And there's more of the social aspect, which is fine because you know mm-hmm. all work and no play makes life dull. I, right. I even have to remind myself of that. And <laughs> <Me too. laughs> it's important to have that balance. Or they go in extreme situations like, I really, really need a job, or I really need to get out of my job. So then they go with that energy that sometimes can mm-hmm. be a negative energy because then you're so you're so desperate. Go with a plan. Is there a new company that maybe you just want to get some information on? You're content in your job, but maybe there's a new person to meet. Maybe you want to challenge yourself that, okay, I'm going to go to the conference and I'm not going to hang out with all the same people that I do every year. Maybe at least one or two of those seminars I'm going to go to and try and make it uh, an effort to connect with someone new. During the lunch program, I'm going to purposely sit at the table where I don't know everyone so I have an opportunity to really expand um, uh, my network. It's important. Networking is important, and having a wide network is important. But what is even more important is to make sure that your network is diverse because you don't only network with people who are doing the same thing that you're doing or who people who are in the same industry. Often, you can really grow professionally when it's someone that's outside that maybe they don't have a clue, really understand what it is you do, but they can bring often very great perspective. And even as a, a solopreneur, I have found that. I've sat down and talked with other solopreneurs that they're doing something completely different. We're just tossing mm-hmm. ideas, and they've been able to suggest things to me that's been like, duh, how come I didn't think about it before? Because mm-hmm. I'm in it every day and, and, and just not having a fresh perspective. But go with an agenda. Go go with with a plan and to 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 walk away with something or go with an agenda to say you know what I'm going to reach out to maybe someone who's new in in my career and maybe I'll offer to be a mentor or maybe I'll look to impart information um oh yeah that can make I love it a, that. a great opportunity as well I love that. That's so important to, you know, because a lot of times we can feel like we have everything or we have all the information or we really don't need it or what have you. And I I always say that's when it's time really for you to give because there are going to be people there that you can actually help and and share and exchange information with. So that's that's true, and we all know what happens when you give. You know, you you, you, you continue to receive beyond uh, your measures that you can that you could even imagine on that. I know before we went to break, uh, we talked about, we were talking about what people can do on their jobs, how they can continue to promote themselves through the annual uh, reviews, but what can they do throughout the year? Is it, is it, is it something that uh, could be done systematically to, to make themselves stand out as well? Oh, definitely, definitely. If we just start in terms of chronicling achievements, that is something that you can do. Honestly, do it every mm-hmm. quarter. Every quarter, stop, take inventory. What has changed in my job? Have I, have I received a promotion? Did I handle a new project? Did I have to fill in for my boss? Did I have to train a new person? Did I, you know, land a, a, a huge contract? Did I save a, 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 a lucrative customer? Just think of things that you have done. Now, it's often a challenge for some people when I start talking achievements and they get concerned. They say, well, I didn't win any, win any awards or I didn't bring in a million dollars for my company. I'm not in sales. Well, you don't have to be in sales to have achievements. 
what have you done in the past quarter? When you started the quarter, what was going on in your role? What was going on in the company? What was going on in the division? Now that three months has passed, what has changed? What has changed in the environment? And what has improved? And what role did you play in that improvement? And often then people's wheels start turning. They say, well, actually, you know what? They, are, they have still been doing stuff that was manual for a really long time, and I finally researched and identified a new automated system, and I got the approval to go ahead and get it implemented, and I turn around, and I was the person that trained everybody on it, and now it's improved our response time or our turnaround time by, you know, three days instead of one week. And I always challenge people, and I says, okay, well, this is where you use your math skills, given in percentage. So it's increased, what, 300%, 400%, because then now you're starting to build a great picture. So make it a habit. Every three months, stop and look back. Um, and do they, do they be, send an email or, or something on that information to their boss? To, they don't have to. They, that's really you're doing it so that it makes it easier when you're going to sit down on an annual basis to do it, that you don't have mm-hmm. to sit and try and remember because, with all of the things that are fighting for our attention today, you're going to forget. I've sat down with people that we're trying to recollect 15, 20 years of achievement. So you don't want to be in that, in that scenario. I've spoken to people who have been filled with regret because they never kept track of any of those things. Um, so that's what you can do um, because situations come up all the time. What if all of a sudden they created a new leadership role? And they're asking people to apply. And usually when they do, it's, oh, like, oh, well, I need anybody that's interested to apply, like, within the next week. You want to be prepared. You want to have your achievements. You want to have that story to be able to say, well, I'm more eligible for the job or I'm more qualified for the job. Look at what I've done in the past six months. Look what I've done in the past um, in the past year. Mm-hmm. What what are some things, some challenges that you see as well that people face and women face uh, in corporate America when it comes to the glass ceiling? Uh, some of the positions that they are aspiring for. We've talked about, you know, taking charge and promoting themselves. What are some other things that we can be mindful of and how can we overcome that? It, it still comes back to uh, uh, a lot of it has to deal with getting comfortable with promoting yourself or marketing yourself and understanding that it's not bragging, um, mm-hmm. being comfortable talking about your strengths and your achievements in a positive way. It doesn't mean that you sit at the meeting and every time you're stealing the opportunity to, to get the floor, it means that when opportunities come, instead of sitting at the desk crossing your fingers and hoping that, you know, I, you know, they choose me, speak up for it. You know, mm-hmm. you might have had just had a staff meeting and the boss said, you know, we're going to be launching a pretty um, aggressive <clears throat> cost savings initiative and we're really going to need to be able to show within six months that we're able to, to reduce our cost by 15%. Well, let's just say that that's a uh, that's very similar to a project that you've worked on, be on a sm- smaller scale, but you recognize it's the same skill set. That's an opportunity for you to either say at that moment or to go and speak to your boss individually and say, you know, I really understand that we have this um, uh, new initiative coming up, 
and I wanted to get a sense, have you already identified some of the people that you would want to be uh, as part of that special task force? You know, if you haven't made that decision, I just wanted to remind you that last year, you know, you had placed me or I was in charge of a similar initiative. These are some of the results we were able to uh, come up with. So I really want to, again, express my interest that as you're putting a team together to really consider me. That's a simple mm-hmm. way of, again, putting putting yourself out there. And mm-hmm. also in terms of just behaviors and attitudes and mindsets, as women, and I mean, I believe, this is, this is Abby's belief, I mean, we're just designed and formed a certain way, so we're always seen as the nurturers, caretakers, and that's wonderful because we need to have that balance, but don't be afraid to be seen as a leader. And if you want to be seen as a leader, that means that you have to be able to do things and to be visible in an organization that after a while you get recognized as a leader. It means that maybe you're involved in other company initiatives. It could be something as simple as, you know, uh, a a United Way program or the company runs a a volunteer program or uh, an an annual toy drive, just some way that you're always seen as being involved in the company in some some sort of leadership capacity. Okay. Okay, that's some great information. What what are you saying uh to people today that we know that the market, we understand where the industry is, uh well, industries are, shall we say, and and there are a lot of people who have MBAs who are out of work and looking uh for jobs. What what are some su- tips that you're suggesting for your clients to do? today to to really overcome those challenges and to be able to get the interview? Well, uh, saying that the market is tough or the market is competitive is, 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 is common knowledge today, but I always take at least 30 seconds to remind people of that, you know, especially people mm-hmm. that say, well, you know, I've never had to look for, I can always, you know, I get interviews pretty easily. I'm, I'm quite sure that's the case. We're just operating in a different market. Uh, the big thing I have to help people to understand is that they have to function in a multifaceted role when it comes to their job search. Mm-hmm. The resume and any other career documents is one piece of it. You still have to do all the actions to get someone to look at the resume. You still have to reach out online, in person, you know, through uh, conferences and other networking opportunities to get some face-to-face tech to continue to tell your story, to tell your marketing story, because the more you're able to tell it, the more you're comfortable with it, the more that confidence is going to come across. If I ask you what percentage of your time or how many hours a week you're spending on the computer applying for positions and you're spending, you know, 25, 30, 40% of the time on it, you're really wasting a lot of time. Now, with technology, with social media, and a lot of the online resources that are available to us, you really have to almost fight against what I call like the the computer or the technology addiction because you can do so much online, but you do not want it to replace making that face-to-face contact. It's always just such a different uh, uh, reception that you can get when you're able to meet someone face-to-face. Nothing is wrong with maybe starting off a conversation online, but you really want to make sure that you follow it up in person. And you want to be able to go out there and interact with another human being. 
You don't want everything to be online. You can sit and spend, you know, 10 hours each day just applying for positions. It's going into a black hole. You're doing yourself a disservice. You need to make sure that there's a balance. I'm not saying to never do anything online. I'm just saying that there should be a balance in things that you do. Even when you're online, there should be a balance. It shouldn't be, okay, I'm going to spend two hours online, and those two hours are just spent at career sites. A portion of it might be on career sites. A portion of it might be in LinkedIn, touching base with a few people, making some new connections, participating in a discussion, uh, sharing answers to someone who's asked a question. I have built my network significantly sometimes just by doing that. Um, you know, in your position, have some advice that you can share. Share that advice. People remember stuff like that. Mhm, mhm. So not just doing just one thing, but like you said, it's going to have to be a whole hodgepodge of things that you're doing exactly, uh, to actually get out exactly. there. And, and, and it really I, I has to be, it has to be balanced. What your ultimate goal is, if you know that you're going to have to say, example, a very narrow mark. And I don't know. Speaking hypothetically, for whatever crazy reason, maybe that particular market that you're going after. People are not online a whole lot. Well, it's going to be a waste of your time and energy to spend time online. If, if the only way these people are going to respond is if you meet them in person. Okay. So you want how, to. You, how, it's a constant balance. How can people get to some people in person? You know, they may not know um, or ha- be able to get to them. How, how? What are some tips that you could suggest for someone to actually get the the in person contact information or to get into in in them uh, in someone's face in their uh, like that to bring to meet them face to face? That's a that's a great great question. And again, it comes back to your network. It goes mm-hmm. back to the six degrees of separation. You could literally start off with five people and end up being able to make contact with 40 people. It means that you look at your network, and the network is not just every person that you've worked with or every person that you've gone to school with. You break your entire network into categories, family, friends, service providers, church members, neighbors, you know, extended family, I mean, every single person, and break them down in category A, B, or C. Um, Get something like what I like to call a... Uh, 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 an advisor's board, for for lack of a better word, or a board of directors in in your job search. Maybe they're top three people or top five people that you're asking them to commit with you over the next three months that I'm not going to overwhelm you, I'm not going to bombard you with emails, but on a weekly basis I'll give you an update of what my activities are. I'll give you the list of companies that I have, I have an interest in, and all I'm asking you to do is any advice that you can give me, any one of these companies rings a bell to you, if there's anyone that you're connected to or anyone that you know that can put me in contact with uh, a decision maker or someone inside the company that you're willing to open up that network to me. And people are actually more receptive to that than if you just, you know, blast people with emails and say, you know, I'm laid off or I'm unemployed, can you, you know, do you know of any job or can you help me find jobs? Mm-hmm. Someone can well, I, say no, the conversation ends. It ends right there. So you got you got to find other ways to say it. <laughs> You're saying the same thing, exactly. but you've got to be creative in, in, in how you exactly. say it. And I, I think always making it relate to that person, um, offering assistance to that person as well. You know, how can I help you or 
how can we help each other? Is it something that I can support you with uh, as you are supporting uh, me as well? You know, how can we partner? How can we grow together? Well, I tell you, this has been a phenomenal show. Our very special guest today is Miss Abby Locke. We only have about 60 seconds left. Please give everyone your contact information uh, as well. Uh, the easiest way to contact me would be through my website, and that is premierwriting.com. I'll spell that for you, P-R-E-M-I-E-R-W-R-I-T-I-N-G.com. Not only would you get a ton of information on my background, I have a ton of resources and just a lot of information that you can uh, benefit for. All right, so they can reach you at premierwriting.com, and I know we're helping you build up your Facebook page there, so uh, you can also find her on Facebook as well, and uh, she's going to be at the Winter Summit, so you can check out her profile there at thewintersummit.com. Abby, thank you so much for being our very special guest today and sharing some awesome information. If you just tuned in and you missed the first half of the show, you can go back and listen to this show and our other phenomenal ones at WealthySisters.com. We will see you next week. Thank you for tuning in. This has been another episode of Wealthy Sisters brought to you by TheProfessionalBlackWoman.com, where success is inevitable. Join Deborah Hardhead, our host, next week as she interviews another powerful, positive, progressive, wealthy sister and visit us on the web at www.WealthySisters.com. See you next time.